Book Blast podcast and the first of 15 podcasts in our new international podcast series, Bridging the Divide, Translation and the Art of Empathy. We are showcasing a selection of the best writing and translation from around the world being published this year in the UK by 10 leading independent houses, along with a trailblazing publisher specialising in translation. Today I'm interviewing Margot van der Straten, known as J.S. Margot, the author of Mazel Tov, published by Pushkin Press, which publishes novels, essays, memoirs and children's books from timeless classics to the urgent and contemporary. Thank you, Margot, for coming to be interviewed. Uh, So you were born and grew up in Belgium. Were your family big readers? In our home, I think the only books were dictionaries. Mm-hmm. It's my parents motivated, uh, uh, motivated the three children to go to the library as much as possible. From the three children, I was the one that was mostly obsessed by reading. So I was a member of all the libraries of the small village we lived in. And uh, I think I did read uh, five books a week. I read everything, but I think it's it's not so easy to say the titles because not all of them were translated into English. So there is a lot of of uh, Dutch literature that I didn't mm-hmm. read. That what languages were spoken at home? Because you are you you are a multilingual lady. Yes, and how was that reflected in your reading? Um, the language is Dutch, but Flemish. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's like Canadian English and English English mm-hmm. and American English. So Dutch is, in fact, the same language as Flemish is, but with with some local uh, differences. Um, and uh, of course the village where I live is close to Wallonie which is the French part of Belgium so if you would take the bus or the train 25 minutes further there was a French speaking part Mm -hmm. of Belgium so there was always that connection of of the (coughs) French with Mm -hmm. the Belgian with the Flemish uh, but at home we spoke uh, Flemish yeah so, because you attended the Higher Institute of Interpreting and Translation Studies in Antwerp to become a French-Spanish translator, so that was motivated by what in particular, or was it? My mother was a teacher in a school, a primary school, and the school, uh, uh, the the children in the school were all miners' children, so all children from migrants. We were, I think, if I was, I have the list of the of when I was six years old of my class. I asked it because maybe once I will write a book about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the thirty uh, um, children in in my class when I was six, only uh, uh, seven were uh, Flemish. All the rest were Turkish, Greek. Polish, Spanish, Italian, Marocchi, and so on. So the polyglot in my house, my home, was only my parents. But the the uh, the biotope, uh, my habitat, where I was where I was growing, where I was where, where I was during the day, was very polyglot. Not only in speaking, because so again, all this it was the f- open to yes, the and and it made me. Uh, uh, f- it wasn't strange for me to be in 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 a community where I heard languages I didn't understand. And uh, I tasted uh, um, dishes that I didn't know at school, you know, mm-hmm. all the, the, the customs from uh, oh, from yeah. other uh, mm-hmm. cultures were there. I think that was very important, very really. Important for children yes. to have a, a, because to I be was open, a child, to be yes. open to all of that and it's an experiment. And yes, and, and I'm talking about the, uh, the, the, the 70s. Mm-hmm. So you... Because as a translator, so a translator recreates the world of the writer in language. 
So you became a writer yourself. So how has being both a writer and a translator, how have they kind of helped each other, been beneficial to each other? Because you, Hmm. Uh, again, then leading from the polyglot, even more entering other worlds and mindscapes. Yes. I I think when you you, uh, translate, you you do not only translate the world, you also enter into the culture of the people speaking or using or writing that language. Uh, I started writing because, and that's that's interesting uh, for me, uh, uh, because translating for me it was too. Um, I, I I had to obey the oh, yeah. the, the pen Perhaps of, of the other one, yeah, yeah. and I I really had uh, uh, I I really had the feeling that I, I wanted to rewrite the original text. Uh, so th- th- of mm. course that th- that was the beginning of my own mm. pen. You know, mm. you also I didn't maybe I all I always knew I I wanted to write, but it's it's all together. You know, it's, it's, it's also you're a journalist. Though. I mean, it's essential training for a would be writer as well. Because yes, you... it helps you uh, to look at the world differently. Mm. Uh, uh, to it opens your eyes. It opens your eyes to language as well. But I I think uh, uh, observation is maybe one of the most important important skills of a good journalist. Your memoir, Majel Tov, published by Pushkin Press, describes your student years when you tutored the two youngest children, Elzira and Yakov, of the Schneider family in Antwerp. What does Majel Tov mean? Uh, Majel Tov is Hebrew for good luck. I hope you're well. Uh, uh, so, so it's... it's uh, okay. Yeah, it's a very positive word. There were, before you, six student tutors who didn't last the course at all. They all left and it didn't work. So it's interesting, you you clicked. You Not only actually did you click, in the end you you became a great family friend. And this, what is interesting is that they were modern Orthodox Jewish family living in the Jewish neighbourhood of Antwerp. And so... The, and so though, though, though they're modern Orthodox and not Haredim or ultra-Orthodox, they were very, they, you, you very much that you follow observance of Jewish law based on received precedents through the ages. So, because as a Belgian Catholic, did you know anything about Judaism and modern Orthodox and all of that before? Nothing so at all. New Nothing. I didn't know anything about Judaism. Only the the only thing what we learn about it is that it's a monotheistic religion mm-hmm. in school. You, that's what you learn. And for the rest, uh, I think in secondary school, the Holocaust, the history part. But I never met and I never talked to a very religious Jew. Mm-hmm. And my Schneider family is a modern Orthodox uh, family, very religious. Uh, so what is but that is just something because Orthodox. I mean that is a thing in your book. One gets a very real feel of many, many different yes. levels and layers of yes. what is Orthodox, what is Jewish, what is... I mean, what are the key between being a modern Orthodox and not an ultra-Orthodox, but still very Orthodox? I mean, what, what yes. are the key differences? Uh, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to explain it very quickly, well, but, but of course there is a huge... Essence, yes, yes, uh, uh, there is a huge difference. Uh, uh, modern Orthodox, like, like the term uh, explains itself, is modern and Orthodox in the same life. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult because it's very hard to live following the Torah and the Talmud, the religious book. So like when it was written, the same. Yes, you mean, yes. As though you were still 2000 years ago. ago. 
go. Yes, right, okay. and at the same time yeah. they embrace modern life. At the same yeah. time they they have regular jobs as much as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. so, but the the ultra orthodox they uh, uh, dedicate their lives. Uh, mostly to religion and they have rabbis which is a, a, a rabbi a rabbi is different from an intellectual rabbi mm -hmm. a rabbi is more a spiritual le leader so the ultra-orthodox have a more spiritual way of uh, filling in the Judaism and it's a recent uh, uh, movement the uh, the Haredim and the Hasidim it's coming from the 18th century while mm -hmm. Judaism the, the, the orthodox it's it's for uh, right. thousands so, of years ago so can you describe a day in the life of the Schneider family when you were, of course you were teaching, so you would go after, uh, the children went to school and yes, you were studying, yes. so you would go, but then... I, I, yeah, how, yeah. I think, um, yes, but, but what I noticed from the beginning already, from my first visit uh, when I had the job uh, application, uh, I noticed that every aspect of daily life is influenced by uh, their religion, is influenced by the rules. So there are 613 uh, orthodox rules and they live, they try to live by it. So it starts with touching mm -hmm. the mezuzah, the small uh, tube in, in the doorpost. So they touch mm. it up. So you... Did you say that there's that whole thing about not shaking the hand? When not shaking the hand, them, not yes. To shake the man does not shake the woman's yes. hand. Uh, he accepted he my accepted hand, but he he, he, he asked me if, you, if yeah. uh, I was uh, I was ready to, to not not do it anymore. Ooh, but even... All, yes. yes, customs and traditions to do with clothes, kosher cuisine, schooling, segregation between the sexes, yes. the importance of the matchmaker when arranging a marriage. One gets all of that through various anecdotes and a portrait sort of mosaic is built up. So for example, clothes, yes. to what extent did they wear the mandatory dark coats and long skirts? And did, did men and women, did, did they go walking up and down the street together or not? Uh, with the modern Orthodox, yes. It's okay. Uh, walk uh, yes, and even when you're married, you mm -hmm. can walk together, of course. But uh, I remember uh, the first uh, the first day I was there that that uh, the the two girls of the family, for example, mm -hmm. they all had long sleeves. Their skirt was buttoned up uh, uh, till mm -hmm. the neck. All these, I never ever saw the the skin of of the mm -hmm. legs of Alcira. I'm I was there from her twelve year old till mm -hmm. she was eighteen. I never ever saw the skin because she's always still yeah, is tights wearing tights yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, woolen panties uh, uh, but so so it's all little by little I I uh, uh, it's the observation the again uh, I I observed all the strange for me it were odd customs as well mm -hmm. the fact that on Friday evening you were not allowed to use the elevator not allowed to the ring the door yeah. not allowed yeah. to start not, not to start nor to stop the electrical circuit because everything has mm -hmm. to stick the, the water has to stay as the world is that's the basic of Shabbat mm -hmm. and you concentrate on your family on your but for, for me it's it's of course it's strange mm -hmm. even uh, uh, taking um, a bag from a roll of, of, of uh, paper bags tearing it apart oh, yes, it's it's not yeah. allowed okay. you have yeah. to ask a goy a non-jew to do it for you mm -hmm. so all these mm -hmm. uh, little by little I, I was uh, introduced by it but it took time and you asked me why I stayed with him and the other ones didn't I think because uh, 
I needed the money. That's one of the economical reasons. <laughs> yeah. But I was intrigued by it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, when it's difficult, I like it. it. Well, maybe I wonder how much again you were except you. You had grown up in an atmosphere where you were used to. I think that that you, must you, be you that's like, oh, that's you, it. And you're, you were yes. true to yourself. You were just yourself because that comes out in the book. You, of course, you one blunders and make mistakes, and you were like, oh, so, but you didn't try and cover up or be you were just authentically yourself really. yes and sometimes very critical too because for yes. example the arranged marriage was it's still for me something that that is mm-hmm. uh, uh, difficult to mm-hmm. to accept but even when uh, even when you see that it's okay and that it's it's a happy marriage and I and it's still well, she was allowed choice I mean that is interesting yes of course marriage proposed depends. marriage you, we have to use really, it's yes more that, 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 and the first person it didn't work out though she liked him yes yes so it's interesting there is a flexibility there whereas one perhaps but still there is no room for romance first it's to first it's it's uh, got to be arranged by the matchmaker yeah yeah yeah. but so through through various incidents we discover so as i said life what so that's the thing is really you're the inside a family you really get an amazing inside view and, and because Judaism is uh, about uh, organizing your daily life, mm-hmm. it's a religious book without mentioning mm-hmm. the books. In fact, yeah. I don't use yeah. psalms yeah. or whatever. There yeah. is no verse of the Torah in my no. book. No. But it's it all praying, about religion. It's, religion. Yeah. it's strange. And being, because the children, okay, Elzira suffered from dyspraxia and had a weak hand. So there's a wonderful description when she's learning you, she's given a, bi- a pink bicycle mm-hmm. and you help teach her you go off out of sight into another neighborhood completely to different teach her neighborhood so that she can learn how to ride and fall off without with that because that is just not you cannot be seen falling off a bicycle her learning uh, yes, and and it and, was. And it he went off into the. She'd never been out of her. No, it's neighborhood. It's, I mean, it's extraordinary that she was. Yes, old when she was learning. A twelve. And she'd never and, been out of her neighborhood. And she had tried to learn uh, uh, to ride the bike, but because of the dyspraxia, it it wasn't uh, possible. It's very hard also, to. It wasn't right to fall off, was it? To just uh, throw how your would, legs would, in the air because you've uh, fallen off. Uh, at the age of twelve, yes, it's not uh, it's not something you do in the Jewish neighborhood. And it, it it took me a while to convince her her parents to to let me do so. So I took her to a completely other other neighborhood. We walked, uh, and and it was for the first time in her life that she walked without a, a, a Jewish uh, person next to her to another uh, to the other part of the city. Mm-hmm. And it's not far. I'm talking about maybe one kilometer or one and a half kilometer. It's nothing. But it it is a huge step. Uh, mm. uh, it was mm. for her, and um, the cycling went uh, well. She, she, of course, she fell, but got up. And she's she's a stubborn. She still is. Uh, 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 at that time, a girl. Now now a woman. Uh, but she, she she really wanted to because she mm. she I think she knew that if she was able to 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 make this step all the rest would would get easier and it was true it gave her confidence it gave, it took it gave a time but it gave her yeah. confidence and it also gave the family especially the father maybe even more the mother uh, confidence in me because mm. i had managed to yeah. do something to change ah, something yes. in the life of the mm. girl that was v- yes. very important for yeah. the whole family Lovely. Uh, that was a very lovely moment. Lovely. It is true. Yes, there is that it you is true. The moment when he says that you, you're like her team, the sort of team uh, yes. rooting for her. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It is yeah. lovely when you can. Mm. Yeah, when these things mm. happen, and they allowed me to happen. Mm. This as well. So it was not only her. one way. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
very sweet little dachshund called Monsieur appears yes. on the scene. So let's hear about Monsieur, her little uh, dachshund. It's not so common to have a, a dog is in it, a... That in means a, clean? It's, no, it's allowed it's, some religions don't like uh, animals it's, and some do. Uh, there are no proofs in, that it's not clean or whatever. Yeah. So, But it's but most of the, of the orthodox, uh, modern orthodox, you will find families, but uh, ultra-orthodox never. But it has more to do with the practical side of kosher and non-kosher with the food in the house and so oh, on. Yes. But also this, this, this dachshund was... Uh, uh, an initiative from the father again, who saw that his his daughter with the dyspraxia and with the self confidence could have an extra help, so so he opened uh, this way again also for her. But uh, it was it gave her and us uh, the opportunity to walk in the city and to to open up. Antwerp has been a focus of the diamond trade since the 15th century, and diamonds were Mr. Schneider's business. The off, his office was rather ratty and run down, and they lived in a rather wonderful so, yes. mansion with video eye intercoms and yes. flash carpets. So yes. Uh, in, in the 90s, when I was teaching there, it was the most important in the economical sector for, the, for all the, the Jews living in Antwerp, not only as a trade, but also as all these uh, uh, workers, diamond workers. Uh, but this has all changed uh, through the years. Mm. Nowadays, uh, it is the low-cost uh, countries who, who are taking over all oh, this, really? which which means that the, the middle-class Jews are having difficulties. The four children, they they end up studying or working in Israel. None of them end up in the no. jewelry trade. The one no. who marries, is it Simon who marries a young woman in New uh, York whose father in New York is a jeweler? Uh, Yaakov's wife Simon is in no so Yaakov's wife she comes from a jeweller family in New York yes so it's a big community but it's interesting none of the children go into the diamond no. jewellery trade like the father which you might have expected it might have passed on I mean, I mean did it, it has it really, fallen, trade, so it's really fallen fallen down 65% of Antwerp's officially registered Jewish population was deported by rail to concentration extermination camps of those thousands, the vast majority never came back. After 1945, most of those Jewish children who survived the war hiding had lost a parent or been orphaned, and you say it is likely Mr. Schneider belonged to that group because uh, his mother survived Auschwitz. Yes. So, but despite the horror and the trauma, they went back to their old homes. How can one how can one comprehend that? You you ask that question. How yes, they because went back, for me it's very hard yeah, to comprehend this, because even the, did the, he ever talk about that? Silence was the yeah, the course, most course. easiest way for them, and easy yeah. is not the right course, word yeah. uh, to 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 deal with with yeah. this. But for example, I remember uh, um, uh, inside the family, not only the, the the Schneiders, but also from the friends. This whole generation of, of their parents is brought up with uh, without uh, parents, more or less. Mm-hmm. So the question, um, mommy, daddy, what is a grandmother? What is a grandfather? They didn't know because all the grandmothers and grandfathers mm-hmm. were just uh, uh, never came back from Auschwitz-Birkenau most of the yeah. time. So though have grandmother Pappenheim who survived yes, Auschwitz, but yes. then, but on the other hand, for you, what effect did it have on you to actually meet? To meet and talk with a survivor of the camps, all the same, one wouldn't bring it up per no. se, though there is an incident in the book when it comes up. How did it affect you and your ways of seeing the, the whole Holocaust? Or did it, what kind of effect did it have on you, really? Just- 
Uh, at that time, Jeez. I was in my twenties, mm. and I didn't had have the the subtlety to mm. uh, not talk about it. I was in, intrigued by, of course, by by the the grandmother as well, but also I was curious to know how the how the war had been for mm. them, uh, because my grandfather was always uh, talking about the World War Two, mm-hmm. and I thought really not not reflecting enough that of course when when you see an older uh, person that survived the war, you just try to talk about it because it will be uh, it's good to talk to so and of course she uh, very quickly made it clear to me that she wasn't going to talk about it and yeah. that it was uh, but you sensed she had a very she was tough she had a steely you resilience. oh if i see you could, you uh, when i talk sense. about her i can see her uh, see she was frail she, she was very uh, she was strong but, but she fire. she was like a volcano i don't know she was you could see that she was fragile but at the same time she was fire she was uh, i was intrigued by her i think from all the people i met in my life she's one of the i will never ever forget mm. and it's not only because i knew she survived auschwitz of course it's true when you as a 20 year old uh, uh, non-Jew you just sit on uh, on the mm. table next to to someone you you want to see the number on the hand or on on the on the yeah. arm all these yeah. but, but it's a kind of uh, it's admiration but at the same time you are uh, admiration is not not the yeah, right word. Intimidated. intimidated by the yes. strength of that woman yeah, yeah. that that is yeah. uh, that was so clever mr. Schneider has uh, he, he did tell me small parts of of how how his mother survived in the camps that mm. she was so clever clever that that they know you but at the same time they they don't know you you know mm. uh, uh, i don't know how it's translated to that part because then his wife though her parents were not they disappeared in the camps his wife who you always described as being rather aristocratic and rather yes and she was great dignity yes her parents were nowhere to be seen they had just, no they, they had died in the camps and the silence was all the always silence, yeah. the strange thing is after my book has been published i'm I have, i'm still in contact with this family mm, yes and uh, um one of the, i think uh, half half year after the dutch publication the first publication we i i saw them again in antwerp and at that time she, they opened up more they, mm. they, they, it's strange so you can see that still that all the steps of confidence yeah. are never finished no. well, because trust, it is because they it, yes. it's because they read the book and they knew about the book that they 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 opened up and they yeah. I never ever heard anything about her family uh, when I was all during all these years and only now the human relationships mm. are, are mm. intriguing if you mm. just do the effort to keep on oh, yes so at the time, your boyfriend, when you were working for the Shanidas, actually was a political refugee from Iran, though he yes. wasn't a practicing Muslim, and he was a supporter of the Palestinian cause. So it's interesting you were working for the Shanidas, and I mean, did they ever talk, did they ever mention their, talk to you about their views on the whole Palestinian-Israel, did that ever, or did you ever feel, sense anything from them about it i was a uh, very lefty at that time mm-hmm. w- one day i came with a newspaper from an, an extreme left uh, uh, newspaper and at that time uh, uh, yasser arafat was on on the on the cover of the newspaper and mr schneider did see it and at that time he really asked me apart and he we had an, uh, a discussion about or a conversation discussion more or less about that i was not uh, supposed to to deal uh, with these uh, issues with the children and that uh, when 
Janet had to come up to uh, politics and uh, Israel politics. Uh, it, it was something was he wanted to be part that of it. Was it was not to me. Afterwards, when they were adults, and nowadays we can, we talk well, about it. Yeah. But when I was at that time, I was it was I was not allowed. I think not allowed. I was not supposed to do so. They would they they wouldn't appreciate it. And and I think Yaakov, the the, the son, he was when I was talking when I was going to talk about this issue with him he would surely go and uh, tell his parents I brought it up later when everyone they were all studying in Israel and you were tra- you were in San Francisco anyway you kept Cuba and you went traveling yourself Cuba then yeah, the yeah, letters yeah. you discovered that her yeah, letters, the daughter's yes. letters to you. All I your was correspondence shocked. had been read by the family. Yes, openly. It's yeah. uh, never. So, so it's just, these are strange, strange mm. things. And it's, it's, it's true. In a, letters are very private. So normally, yes, in so our, in our, our and 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 also it's a family thing. It depends from family to family. Even yeah. in the Jews, it's not at all. Mm. But in this family, the letters I wrote to the, to Elzira were letters that mm. she, that she, the parents did read, and she showed them too. Yeah. So it was yeah. a. a but for me, it was shocking. Because over and beyond your relationship with them and with the whole family, you also, in the book, you have friends from the Middle East, Turkey and Morocco. Nima's mother sends him food, so you get parcels from back home in Tehran, Tehran in a few months. Yes. Then his sister, though, Marjane, made no friends, had a breakdown, had to be sent home to psychiatric hospital. Yes. And you write that, you write, first-generation immigrant children weren't expected to continue their education after school, the idea didn't even occur to anyone, least of all their parents. Life in exile is very tough. There's, some, there's a feeling of loss there. There's a feeling yeah, but, of no, but, but it's yeah. hopeless. So, so I mean, so okay, all the different communities. So you get the feeling of all the different communities protect themselves from the threatening other by creating barriers. So in the end, is the whole idea of diversity and everyone living happily side by side a sort of lovely political fantasy and completely unrealistic i mean it's quite you, you the, portrayed the, a very shifting portrait of how it's difficult is, and they're isolated in their communities that they sort of communicate and yet you know they're educated but nothing much is expected so one feels that the sort of immigrant so-called quote-unquote immigrant communities are not really they're kind of accepted but uh, I don't know, uh, um, but but wh- but what you say about the education and the mm. first generation—that's mm. more about uh, uh, the coal miners' children. At the ah. time, the coal miners so came; they wanted okay. to just uh, uh, okay. for a certain moment and then go back to with, ah, they would go back. and ah, then okay. they had the and intention, they they and they wouldn't settle. settle. Okay. And that's one of right. the reasons they they were reluctant to learn the language from uh, from mm. the new country and reluctant to send the children to a higher uh, to a high school mm. it was better to just have a technical job because right. then if you are a painter you can paint in Morocco or if mm. you are a baker you can bake in Morocco yeah. instead of going to university mm. the political refugees yeah, do, yeah, do yeah. completely the, the opposite they really invest mm. in studying mm. and then you you they have to stay they're not going back uh, but I think it's it's true that that uh, about when you we talk about multiculturalism, it's 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 an interesting question. I don't have the answer, but when you see how uh, uh, minorities tried to stick on their own tradition, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's very positive too because you yeah, cannot lose your terroir, your roots. It's, a your, it's yeah, exactly. but but uh, uh, we need bridges. So yes. you can have it's an yes. archipelago. It's an archipelago. I don't know in English the archipelago. Yeah, archipelago. Uh, so so with small, but the bridge is it's. Uh, 
essential and the bridge has to go both ways so, so this book is a bridge really one could say this book is a bridge and the art of translation is a bridge because you are bridging worlds I think storytelling story is a bridge yes. in in general. Every library yes. is a bridge because what yeah. is it? It's it's about stories about people you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's about uh, uh, reading lives you don't know, feeling things, uh, uh, mm-hmm. confront, being confronted mm-hmm. to things you don't know. That's all bridges. Because also in the nineteenth century, even within say Catholic communities or Protestant communities, mm-hmm. there were a lot of traditions have been lost now with the modernity. Yeah. So in a sense, these communities have hung on to them. Reading the book, one got a very strong feeling. There used to be far stronger traditions to do with how you greeted travellers or, or social connections. Social, there were social manners and mores, and always in the churches, the women, or you always had your hair covered and things. And a lot of that's been lost. Whereas, in a way, some of these more traditional communities, perhaps they're still keeping, they're showing us far more communities were like that. So they're not. Perhaps it sticks out more now, but it's not actually so unusual, really, if you think about it. No, 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 that's true, and that's what I... That's what I... And I realised that writing the book, too, you know, Mm. it's not something I knew before I was going to write the book. It's something you realise when you write the book, that, of course, I'm an atheist, and and I'm a convinced atheist. I I don't don't want a a religious uh, world anymore. Mm. Um, Mm. But at the same time, you you, you have to admit that we did lose uh, many things that made society more connected that made people more connected to each other yeah. that made the, the interhuman relationship mm, mm. stronger at there we, we are in a vacuum and we have to to because yeah. to, 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 that's what's odd because globalism and diversity and the shifting cultural landscape are kind of a threat to tradition there's a very paradoxical thing it's interesting that you show we see how Judaism is very varied and multifaceted and that a homogeneous Jewish community per se does not exist and we see that it's very cosmopolitan and adaptable, yet that it also has its own schools, synagogues and yes. traditions. It sort of seems there's a there's a sort of balance between being very traditional and local, yet I also t- very outward something... looking. How much is that being lost? Keep they keep it going, going and to and uh, wherever uh, they are, it doesn't matter. You keep it going. Yes, and okay. and that's one of yeah, the strengths yeah. okay. of, of of this yes. community. It's and and it's a paradox, like you say. But whole the whole yeah. life is a paradox. We are born and we die. That's yeah. the paradox already. So <laughs> exactly. uh, uh, so, but yeah. but of course it and it, this is very strange. The, or when uh, I told you uh, uh, Elzira, when I walked with her through the the neighborhood where she had never been before, mm. outside the Jewish uh, uh, quarter, that yeah. that. But at the same time, this this girl protected with her protected education, with a protected family, uh, marries with someone mm. from New York, and has a a, a very uh, a social life in New York. One year yeah. after her yeah. marriage, mm. so so it, it is a it is. But, but it gives a structure. It's good. It's I, a structure. It is belonging roots is because in a way to be too rootless and have no. That's of, that's why I I decided no customs or tradition or anything and be completely assimilated. Yes, I mean that that is. That is a very interesting paradoxical. Yes, and that's really why well. why I finally mm. decided to add Mariana, the mm. the sister yeah, of Nima. Yeah. In the, I didn't know in the beginning if I was going to add this this her life too in the book, but yeah. of course it is a nice mirror because she was alone. She yeah. she, she couldn't. She made no friends. No, it was the beginning of the political refugees from Iran. Uh, yeah. the, the, so there was not. A, now you have Iranian communities it's a tragic, in the in, tragic the way it, she, she's it is. Kind of, uh, but sitting, if she had been a Jew, mm, it would never, never ever happened. have happened. Uh, 
Never ever. Really, I'm really, sure. Yes. So that's because why I find I'd, her in the bathroom with pictures. Oh, it still makes me. Uh, um, I don't. She's uh, all covered mm. in oh, in lipstick and trying. Yes, to be and like she a model. and she's still it's broken. Image, she so never came again. She never. She's yeah. in Iran. She's in Tehran mm. now. Of course, she's well, but she's never the same again than she mm. was before all these things happened. Mm. No, she's broken for her life. Yeah. Uh, uh, but she's doing much better than she did here in Brussels. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but that was one uh, mm-hmm. really I, I in the beginning, and even my publisher uh, thought it was not necessary to add this. I know but you show how I, tough it I needed, is. Exile yes. is tough. Yes, because you do actually in the book some very nasty racist incidents feature. For example, the Milena, the girlfriend of a fellow student working in an expensive boutique, expresses racist opinions about all the rich Jewesses who shop there. And then there's the anecdote about Mayor Krebeck who calls out some Orthodox Jews crossing the square that it was a shame the Germans hadn't put more of their kind in the gas ovens. Because you write about how, at some point in the book, when the, the right, the extreme right get into power. Yes, I mean, how yes. How is that panning out? I think anti-Semitism hasn't, uh, uh, isn't uh, less than it was at that mm. time, but mm. it has maybe a different face uh, because yeah. it changes. It's in the book also. It's an, yeah. it's an image, change, always changing mm-hmm. a virus, yeah. and uh, it's a bit like the coronavirus. <laughs> and but 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 really, it's 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 there. It's coming from the radical Islam, from the political Islam. I mean, but it's also coming from the 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 extreme very right, right yeah. extreme right. Uh, well, it's uh, all politics at the extremes and politics of fear isn't it yes and it's, of course yeah. and when you don't know uh, mm. uh, fear and uh, it's it's you have whole libraries written uh, uh, about uh, where mm. anti-semitism is coming from we don't know mm. where it's coming from uh, where is racism coming from yes but it has always to do with uh, with minorities versus majorities mm. and mm. when the life of the majority is in an economical uh, crisis there is always oh, a black sheep you write that you envy the way that Jacob and his people settle into new places and that they, wherever they are, you know, that beyond the country of their birth, there are, there are social, religious and professional networks. So that, that is a, a great strength. It's a huge strength, yeah, yes. It's a huge strength. Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, I would yeah, love yeah. To, to go to New York now and just live there for two, three years in a community that feels like home. Antwerp is obviously a very cosmopolitan yes it's cosmopolitan yes it's a big cosmopolitan yeah, yeah. we also have a, a, a so chinese uh, yeah and you were saying the iranian community there's more of a community oh yes now, now it's and they are strong yeah. and they are, uh, yes. they are yes and they are yeah. they have a very strong network in all levels of society mm-hmm. so yeah. this has changed from has in changed the last uh, years yes so your translator is jane hadley prohl how did you meet uh, the Flanders House of Literature invites uh, uh, translators in in a small flat mm-hmm. in Antwerp uh, for for centuries already. And Jane Hadley Proul has, has uh, always stayed there for for several months. Yes. And this flat is in the middle of the Jewish district, so she knew all the all, but she knew mm-hmm. all from outside the mm-hmm. facade from the Jewish uh, uh, life. But she never went had had a. a an inside view. For me, my, my, my life in Antwerp has changed since the book as well, because completely. the Jewish community has opened up to me. Even the ultra-Orthodox, mm-hmm. not all of them, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but, but some, some really... Describe uh, the very ultra-Orthodox when you go to Israel, yes. Tel Aviv, amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah. Describe that, why uh, you go there, who you visit. In, in, in uh, uh, yes, I, I go to a... a, a 
Bnei Brak. I go yes, and Bnei Brak is is a small ultra orthodox city uh, above in the north of Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. For me, this was it's shocking. There's uh, a segregation on the bus. And uh, yes, that. yes, it's really uh, uh, women apart, men apart. I, I don't know. I, I, for me, it, it feels, it still feels suffocating. In my research for my book, because my, memor, my, my memory was from 30 years ago, researching the book and wanting to write Mazel Tov 30 years later or 25 years later, I found that it was necessary to go back to Bnei Brak. So I went back to Bnei Brak five years ago before writing my book in Dutch. And it's, it was even more... Uh, ultra orthodox than my memory by then so but it's even for for israel this is very exceptional but mm. b- because in general israel is not religious it's it's a liberal uh, country mm. it's jewish but it's cultural jewish in, in this time in the 90s the, the two sons of the schneiders were there for uh, uh, one or two years in the yeshiva because the the parents they wanted the children to the the the, the boys then to well, get to know the real yes to get to know the the, the most uh, religious side uh, part of mm-hmm. of uh, judaism but of course the schneiders didn't want the, the boys to be to, to to become ultra-orthodox but just to have a taste of of right. of the sp- spirituality that mm-hmm. that is is over there mm. and th- that's what something I wanted to say before mm-hmm. um, Alzira and even Yaakov the way they uh, educate their children and the, yeah. they are more religious than the, than the parents uh, well. uh, yes they become so, so even that's what you said even uh, is it is it gone the, the no, is, did it erode um, no not at all it has become stronger and I think one of the reasons why it became stronger is because modern life is oh. everywhere now. All of them have a smartphone. The yeah, whole, yeah, so it's, it's a sort of rea- in a way, everything a from modern yeah, life yeah, can yeah, be yeah. in your pockets. Mm-hmm. Even if you close the internet mm-hmm. connection at home, which you can, but not, it's not possible because Wi-Fi is everywhere. If you have children of fourteen, that is happening right now. It's interesting that sociologically. That is the consequence that actually the, the the opening up and globalism is actually making creating Retreats. new tribalism. Yes, 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 yes. So, so for example, I was scared of what the the, the Jewish community would say, mm-hmm. or or how they would look at my book. Before the the book was published, I I wanted everything that had to do with the religion part of the book, mm-hmm. with the modern orthodoxy, to be hundred uh, percent correct. Yes. But I didn't know any Jewish uh, person t- mm-hmm. who could read this to me or or who could mm-hmm. correct this to me. So I went to all the uh, uh, all the the Jewish doctors that I knew in in Antwerp and uh, uh, in the cabinet of the, of the doctors I, I would tell them my second agenda that I was looking for someone who could just read my book and correct it on everything mm. that had to do with correct, the orthodox yeah. and one of these doctors had, had has helped me yeah. very consciously and yeah. um, he's, he, he said and that then I felt comfortable myself he said there is not one drop of anti-semitism in your book yeah. there is you are very critical mm. sometimes you are mm. uh, uh, but the love of, of for the family and for the other human being is so big that you that and that's okay it's a strange yeah. balance and you're it's an unconscious balance for example in poland it is a huge success which is very strange because that's the country where all the uh, the concentration comes and uh, and when the family schneider the, the parents heard uh, that mm-hmm. that book was published in Poland, in the country where they lost 
many family members, they were very moved mm-hmm. by it. So that's amazing. There's almost a healing element to it. It almost is opening uh, up. And uh, yes, and the healing moment, I think. And, and read and discover because ignorance is all we know. Ignorance breeds. Ignorance is important in the the breeding of racism if you're you're ignorance, unaware and ignorant and ignorance and and also i think you have to know that it's it's never going to be everything yeah. is fine it's no, not it's not exactly. pink outside yes, sure i mean exactly. it's but so, it's part yeah. of it struggle is part of of mm. life mm-hmm. uh, uh, yes. imperfection is part of yeah, life it's exactly. it's uh, exactly. and of course sometimes it's a clash it's a big clash uh, but even then you just get up again and and mm. you you learn from your mistakes mm. you learn from what happened it's not always a mistake you learn from the clash as well now humor there's quite a bit of humor in the book some dark yes. humor mistakes yes. or mis- but also f- just funny incidents aaron uh Schneider, he's got he loves telling jokes so i was going to you could you read this is this is a wonderful this is a wonderfully indicative or exemplary joke of his kind of humor aaron is is uh, telling this joke to me yeah do you know the joke about moshi who's dying and who calls his business partner abby to his side Mr. Schneider asked, and he began to tell the story about Moshi who doesn't want to die before asking Abe forgiveness for certain wrong, certain wrongdoings. Do you remember when our first business went bust? That was my fault, Abby, and I am sorry. I embezzled money and falsified the accounts. I forgive you, Moshi, Abby reassures him, Moshi, and that night... When that car got totaled, that was me, Abby. I wasn't wearing my glasses and I had too much to drink. Let's forget that, says Abby. That time that hundred thousand francs went missing from the safe. It was me who took the money. I had to pay off my son, my son's gambling debts. Ah, said Abby, don't worry about it, Moshi. I forgive you everything. Because, you know, I'm the one who put it arsenic in your coffee. <laughs> After telling the joke, Mr. Schneider cracked up laughing because he kept on looking at me expectedly. I pretended to laugh too. <laughs> Mazel Tov by J.S. Margot, published by Pushkin Press, is available from online outlets such as Waterstones, Foils, Daunt Books, Hive and Amazon. To buy it from your local independent bookseller, you can find your nearest store by visiting www.booksellers.org.uk forward slash bookshop search. This podcast is brought to you by Book Blast. For more bookishness between episodes, visit online journal The Book Blast Diary or find us on Twitter at Book Blast. Special thanks to sound editor Rupert Such, theme tune composer Edward Campbell, and to author J.S. Margot for taking the time to be interviewed. And thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Book Blast podcast. <laughs>